Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, a post combine edition of the show. I was there for the whole week. It was a long week in Indianapolis. Uh, what I realized, the, my non-football takeaway, right? And, and Jake's been to Indy. He's been there many times, so he knows. It was, I have lived in Scottsdale for six and a half years now, okay? And although I grew up in Chicago, I have become an absolute spoiled brat about weather. And I mean that sincerely. I can call, I am so freaking spoiled with the weather. And Indy, last year was cold, but this year it ice stormed. Like, I mean, legitimately falling snow, but it was so cold that it was ice the, almost every single day. I have never been happier to be back in Arizona. Let me just tell you. I, am, I, I had an unbelievable time. It was a great draft network. The guys, the team, they did an unbelievable job in Indianapolis. But let me tell you, the second that I landed, I wanted to drop to the ground and just go, thank you. I'm so happy to be here because it was cold and everybody was bitching all week long about it. It was, it was a it's tough so week. It's so tough, right? What'd you say? It's so tough. Like, I love Indy and it's so yeah. set up to have the combine because everything's right there in walking distance. I mean, word is maybe it ends up in L.A. when they get the new stadium and all the stuff being built around the stadium that they can take over that whole you know facility for the, the 10 days or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's so hard to move it regardless of the weather because Indy is so perfect to have it. And it's so accustomed to having it at this point. But man, it's brutal. You had, what, rain one day, snow one day, ice storm one day, and wind one day. I guess just, yeah. It's, but that's part of the combine experience, Paige. Yeah, listen, uh, I was like, the, the they had, which, shout out to the NFL, they did an unbelievable job hosting some women in football events that I attended. Really excited about the initiatives that they're putting forth. A lot of it to, a lot of it to do with what Bruce Arians has done and the Buccaneers and their coaching staff. I mean, it was really, it was really awesome to be able to experience that. But Roger Goodell came and it was a very intimate setting. And everybody was kind of like joking around. And he said, if there was one thing about the combine that you could change, what would it be? And nobody raised their hand except for, you know, your girl has no problem saying exactly what's on her mind. So I raised my hand and said, Mr. Goodell, I would love to see the combine move somewhere warm. And everybody started laughing. And I was like, you guys think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Because I just, I, I was like, listen, I love Indy. I, I think it would, if it wasn't, if it if the weather wasn't the way it was, Indianapolis is literally perfect. The city is set up the way the convention center and the stadium and everything is all it is it is set up perfectly for the combine. But the weather this year made me go, yeah, I can buy into LA. Yeah, I'm 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 about this LA move. So there was a lot of discussion uh surrounding that. But I wanted to get into before we get into our NFC West kind of preview, I wanted to to bring to you guys the biggest topic of conversation, I had I had many dinners and visits and drinks at Prime Forty Seven and St. Elmo's and all the places Jake and and everybody Jake knows well and people on the internet know very well. The, I saw the the cowboy bus was outside Prime for seven days straight. There was there was plenty of sh- 
of shenanigans going on, right? We call it the NFL spring break because that's what it feels like for head coaches and GMs. There was a lot of conversation around one specific player, not somebody participating in the combine, not somebody that, that was, that was there or was coming out. It was Tom Brady. Number one topic of conversation by far in a way was Tom Brady, because this is, this is going to be a domino. If he leaves, it's going to set off so many other moves and everybody's just kind of waiting with the, holding their breath, hoping really that he leaves because everybody else in the league is going, okay, if he leaves, then what, where, who's going there? What is that going to set off? Now there's rumors this morning that Andy Dalton potentially in trade conversations go to the Patriots, right? All of that to say, Jeff Darlington, who is very close to the Brady camp, has told all week long, prepare for Brady to leave. So that was the number one topic of conversation, guys. And I know we have a lot of thoughts on that, Jake. Oh, I'm here for it. And here's my combine takeaway and Tom Brady. We were there together 21 or 20 years ago, and I'm so damn tired of being reminded that it's been 20 years. I'm so happy the combine's over for that reason. We could talk about Tom Brady uh, moving on to something else. Uh, yes, we were there 20 years ago. I am officially very old. Look, I, I mean, Darlington is hitting the nail on the head. He seems to be more dialed into this than anybody else. I think there are a few teams in play. I think they're going to get to free agency. And to go back to what you just said, I love the Andy Dalton there move, especially when you're talking about it's a one-year, $17 million deal. If the Patriots are going to lose him, I love the Patriots replacing uh, Brady with, with Dalton for at least the short term. Uh, but, yeah, dominoes to say the least. You're talking about the GOAT changing teams, changing regions of the country. And he doesn't even play for a city. He plays for a region. And it's a crazy region, and it's going to go nuts if he leaves. And I'm all here for it because this show will be so much fun because it's going to set off a domino that we've never seen in football. Yeah, and, like, to me, it's – I was a small child, like, a very small child yeah. when Joe Montana went to Kansas City. So I didn't have any fr- – I wasn't watching football. I didn't understand. I didn't even understand how life worked. I still don't understand how life works, but I really didn't understand how life worked then. <laughs> but, but, like that, but that would be, I guess, the only conflict I can go in my head of this is going to be – my generation's version of that because yeah. I think this is happening and we and we've talked about this on the show of I mean it, it's become it's it was like a running joke for a while but we've talked about this more seriously of guys this is legitimately this is legitimately going to at least have a high probability of happening there's never any guarantees but they tried to move on. I mean, Belcher tried to move on before. Yes, like, This he is did. not that long ago when we were talking about whether or not the, the power struggle of Kraft and Belichick with Garoppolo and Brady. This wasn't that long ago, so I don't think this should shock anybody. Tom Brady's still, again, as a guy that always manufactures a chip on his shoulder, put a bigger chip on your shoulder than, I won how many Super Bowls, and they still didn't want me to go back there? They still didn't want to pay me what I was worth, and now i got to go somewhere else and win? Talk about another monster chip on a Hall of Famer's shoulder. Uh, I want to see that. I want to see him play for a, a team that I think is in a better spot to win a Super Bowl this year. And it's going to be just, it's going to be a strange and surreal experience to watch him put on another jersey, which seems like the overwhelming likelihood at this point. Yeah, the only thing I feel bad for is the other guys in free agency to sign on day one because nobody's going to talk about him for about 78 hours. Yeah. And then we're talking, we're talking MSNBC is going to be leading off with Tom Brady and where he goes. Like this, this transcends. Sports. This is bigger than LeBron's decision to take his talents to South Beach. Uh, like this is this is it. It's gonna be 
it's going to be crazy. It's, it literally, they're not going to talk about anybody else. And free agency is going to be nuts. We've talked about how great it's going to be. Every position has superstars all the way across the board. But if Tom Brady leaves New England, that's all anybody's going to talk about for three days. Like, period. And like, you're not even know anybody else. Our show, we can't even we'll talk about anybody else that leaves. And, and we're talking about there's going to be trades. It's going to be absolute chaos. I am so excited. It is getting close. If we can finally get the CBA done so everybody knows exactly where they stand, it, we would see a lot more guys tagged already. And we'd probably see some deals done with teams that want to sign their own guys already before we even get there. But it's making the chaos even that much better because it's all getting pushed back to the point where there's going to be a really crazy news cycle that happens for about three or four days. The other interesting part of it that Jeff Darlington, and if you want to check out, uh, Peter King has some really interesting notes on all this, but I've been playing pretty close attention and, and watching, obviously, as I was in Indianapolis all week long. Jeff Darlington is very tight with the Brady camp, like inside the circle for, from Brady camp. And that's, and that's Peter King saying that and stating that. And his, his kind of context on this whole Brady thing is, yes, there is the dynamic of the Brady-Belichick stuff, but this is also about reinvigorating himself, right? Kind of giving himself a new challenge, a new chip on his shoulder that, yes, it is about the the fracturing of that relationship, but it's also about, hey, now I'm going to have a new challenge. And we all know that the mental aspect of Tom Brady is the, the part of Tom Brady that separates him from everybody else. Cause he's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have the best arm. He's not, that's not taught. The, the part that separates him is the mental aspect. And that is what becomes borderline scary to think about if he goes somewhere with more talent. Because guys, we talked about it for a long time. This New England Patriots team is not really that talented. He doesn't have a lot of weapons. If he goes to some of the places they're talking about, Oh my God. I mean, he's this sweepstakes all of a sudden there's like, you're looking around and you're going, okay, well pretty much every team wants in, right? Every team wants in. And I don't blame them because a reinvigorated, remotivated Tom Brady becomes a very scary thing. If you're playing in the division that he leaves for Jake. Jamie, give me your take on this, man. There's only been one quarterback 43 or older win a game in the NFL. And that was Vinny Testaverde. But by all accounts, Brady hasn't lost anything. I think Rivers is way down from where he used to be. I think Breeze is way down from where he used to be. Every time a Tom's a game manager, I don't think that's true. The people I've talked to, you go back and look at, at what – they did nothing this year. The offensive line was garbage. The running game wasn't very good because of that. They had zero weapons. I mean, Edelman was hurt all year. It's crazy to me. But, yet, yeah, to Paige's point, everybody's in on the sweepstakes. Like, and it's – you're talking about a 43-year-old guy, but you instantly feel like Tom Brady's your quarterback. You could make a run to the, court, to, the, to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Absolutely, dude. And also, you're going to sell a ton of merchandise, which, again, is a very appealing thing yes. to an owner that's willing to write a check to you right away. 100%. I imagine there are not going to be many deferred payments on this next contract that Tom Brady signs. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I agree with you, Jake. The only concern with Brady is that it, there's going to be a wall that he hits at some point. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to be. It could be two years. It could be week eight. It could be three years. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but there's going to be a wall at some point, And you obviously know his best football is further behind him than he has ahead of him. But I don't know what you've seen over the last couple of years to make you say that he's done. Like, I, I, I'm with you, Jake. I, I don't understand. I thought I started to see it last year. Not not this, not 19, but 18. 18 yeah. 19, I thought he played really well. And to Paige's point and your point, 
the chip on his shoulder and the mental aspect and how much better he makes his teammates with the demands. I mean, he's, he's going to demand more of them than any coach could do. And even if he hits a, even if he hits a wall, he's been there and done this so many times. They're going to be able to manufacture yards and points and win games because he's not going to cost you games. That's the biggest thing is like, even if, even if he does diminish some, why well, Drew Brees is still successful and throwing for 4,000 plus yards. He's not costing you games. He's making enough plays, and they can still do enough things. I mean, I think that's the, the biggest benefit here is that chip on his shoulder that he wants it to be about him with the weapons and succeed, but he can do it in so many different ways. Yeah, it's, it's all the intangibles. It's all the, Absolutely. It's all the, other th- the, all the other things that he brings to the locker room. And, you know, we, we, we would be remiss if we didn't, didn't bring up, listen, he's, he's at a, what, Syracuse basketball game sitting courtside with Julian Edelman, and Julian Edelman goes, he's coming back, he's coming back. And then they wait about three seconds, and Tom Brady looks over the camera and goes, no, he's not. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was fantastic that they caught that all on camera. Mind you, about five, ten minutes later, they catch him FaceTiming Mike Vrabel at courtside of that game. That was the, the conversation that happened at the combine. A lot of the people I talked to said, listen, we understand what Tannehill did for this team, but the natural fit for Tom Brady is to make that move. That offensive line is, is phenomenal. That defense is great. He's got the connection with Mike Vrabel already. But do they move away from Tannehill after what they saw from him this year? I don't know. If I'm Mike Vrabel, I, I – I can't if I have the opportunity to make this happen and win us and, and go. Does Tom Brady bring me enough that we can win a Super Bowl? I think the answer is yes, guys. I, I I get that Tannehill was was good this year, but you're talking about Tom freaking Brady. Well, I mean, it's totally different. Well, you're also asking what's more likely to happen. I think Tom Brady's more likely to replicate what Tannehill did in the back half of the year than Tannehill. Is. I agree. Not that I don't think Tannehill's good. I'm just saying. If you expect Tannehill to do what he did from week seven on for the full season, then, I, good, then luck. But good luck. Go, go put all your money on the Titans' futures. All right? because, but I, I, there's going to be some regression there. But this is such a rare, in, it's such a rare incident that it, it's tough to even like put a precedent in your mind for what can happen here. Although I get the thing I will say, and we say on the show all the time, is. Everybody's Super Bowl window is a lot shorter than everybody thinks it is in the yes, moment. Yes, it is. And if you ask the LA Rams, and, and ask anybody, I, I don't care. <laughs> Even at, I have no idea. To, I, I don't wish this upon anybody, but Patrick Mahomes could step on that field in week three of the preseason and tear his ACL, and sure. all of a sudden that team is not a Super Bowl contender anymore. We don't know what the future holds, and if you can do something to greatly elevate your team's chances of winning a Super Bowl this season, which Tom Brady does for the vast majority of the NFL. You have to seriously consider doing. I think there's 27 of 32 teams that would make that move if they could, I agree. including the Titans. Vrabel knows he's a coach. He's been around. Like you only got a limited window to win. And, and I mean, like the, the Joe Montana example is perfect, except for they traded Joe Montana because they had Steve Young and they felt like they needed to move on. This is a free agent leaving. This hurts that much worse. I mean, not that the 49ers decision was easy, but I was in Kansas City when that happened. We were on our way out because they were getting rid of all the big backs of Christian Okoye and Barry Word and bringing in Marcus Allen and Joe Montana. This is, this is so huge, but I think every team knows, because of what we just talked about, they could make a run if they have them. So I think maybe five or six teams are comfortable with where they are. The other ones would do what they could to get them to make it happen. 
Yeah, listen, guys, this is going to be super interesting because if the, he is the domino that then impacts Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, look at how many guys he's named. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, this is a huge, this is why this free agency more than ever before. I always love free. This is crazy. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. The amount of starting guys that could be in completely new, new positions. And oh, by the way, that's not, that's before we mentioned Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. Who, oh, by the way, if you watch Justin Herbert, he did exactly what I said he was going to do, which everybody's going to watch him throw and go, oh, yeah, I'm reminded that that dude's arm is unbelievable, right? This is the exact same thing I said going in because I know. I knew going in it was going to happen. Stock rising because you all of a sudden you're reminded, holy shit, that kid could throw the football. It's, I mean, it's that's what happened. That's So that's all those free agents without even mentioning the fact that there's three guys that could go in the top five. And, and it's it could be a lot of change in the NFL this year. So it's an exciting, it's an exciting time for all of us. I think we could spend the rest of the show just talking legitimately about this, but we're going to transition to talk about the NFC West and and their cap situation and, and where they sit right now. Because even though Jimmy Garoppolo took that team to the Super Bowl, one of the teams this morning they were talking about Tom Brady going to is San Francisco. I mean, that's, which is, he's going to be linked to every team that can make it happen. And I, I, and I they, they, technically they could now, yeah. again, this is, this goes back to actual cash dollars versus cap hit. Yeah. They could do it from a cap perspective. Uh, they can get out of Garoppolo's deal, but yeah. you paid him a ton of freaking money. So I, I don't know. I don't you, think that's going to happen. All the money you've already front loaded and already paid on that deal. I, I can't see that. Yeah. Happening. I can't imagine that happening, but let's get into the, the cap situation here. They got $13.1 million on the cap. They got 62 guys under contract. A couple of the big free agents here, Emmanuel Sanders, Armstead, Jimmy Ward, Ben Garland, Sheldon Day. Jamie, if you look at that group, you you got needs, interior offensive line and safety listed as, as some needs here. What are the guys of those free agents that you think they might try and bring back? Well, the, the little cash draft at the moment, about $13.1 million. We'll see. It doesn't look like there's going to be a huge jump uh, in cap this year for them. You'd like to see them bring back. I mean, the two biggest names here, like Sanders, you knew was a rental. You knew when yeah. you made that deal that you yep. were, maybe you could come to terms with them at some point, but that was more of like a baseball type rental deal, which by the way, really helped Debo Samuel emerge as a star. So, uh, that he, he'll need to be replaced by somebody, but we'll see where they do that. Uh, Eric Armstead would be great, but I, th- I think he's going to get a ton of money. I'm not sure they're going to be able to afford him. Jimmy Ward would be a big piece for them. Even Ben Garland on, on that offensive line. So they do have those three guys in particular, Armstead, Ward, Ward and Garland. You really like to see them bring back at least one. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to find a way to bring back more of those guys, but uh, they're just going to have to rely on really drafting well and going with their guys. They don't really have a ton of cut candidates either. Even you look at the two running backs, Coleman and McKinnon, they could cut to save a little bit of space, but uh, I think they're going to keep Coleman the way he is. I think they like them in that, in that rotation. And uh, with McKinnon, if you need the extra four and a half million in space, but you're going to take the $4 million penalty to do it. So uh, you didn't cut him last year when it was a little bit easier. I just I think they're just going to have to kind of figure things out at the draft. They don't need a hell of a lot, and John Lynch has done a damn good job in the draft. I mean, that's how they built this team. I, Tom Brady's not going there because they got to trade Garoppolo first to make it happen because Brady's a free agent, so it's not like they can just make this trade and get Brady because they want him. I don't think it's a great landing situation for Brady other than it's his childhood team because of those weapons. I think they could probably get Sanders back, but I think somebody might pay him more. To me, it's bring back Ward and Garland. And put basically the same same team on the field last year, uh, this next year that you had last year, and you're still going to be damn good. 
even there's no way you're signing Armstead. He's going to get a ton of money in free agency. Somebody's overpaying like crazy for that. They do have their franchise tags. So we need to look at who gets that. Um, but they're basically putting the same team on the field next year, and you they've been drafting really well. So I go to that, and I start looking at, all right, maybe they go interior offensive line with a guard. If they lose Garland, they got to go center. I think they add another receiver in this super deep receiver draft, and they probably add another edge rusher, but in a more of a, a project guy that they could throw in there that could develop uh, in later rounds. But I think they probably get another piece of receiver, and if they have to go guard, they don't really need to replace Armstead with another first-round pick defensive lineman. They've got six or seven guys that could take that spot. That's kind of what I was going to ask you guys is, listen, if they're they're going to let Sanders, obviously, Jamie brought up, he was used as a rental. It worked out. They made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, listen, they, it helped Debo Samuel immensely. But I can't imagine there's quite a few targets listed here from a wide receiver perspective. Do you think they're more likely to sign one of these guys or try and address that in the draft, Jamie? I think they're going to try it in the draft. And it's interesting. Uh, Travis Sikama in his latest mock at draftnetwork.com has them trading back at a 31 because they have this big gap between pick 31 and 139. Yeah. Uh, so them getting a couple more picks there on day two uh, could be helpful for them. I think that's where they go. Uh, you can move Debo around the field. I, I, you have some of the other young receivers there, but I just – They need somebody else. I, I, they need somebody else. Like yeah. I, I understand there are a lot of Niners fans that get mad at me every time I bring up that I don't think Dante Pettis is a thing because I continue <laughs> to wait – and this was a guy that was getting benched in the preseason, got benched in the postseason. Like, it's not there. No. Maybe something clicks at some point, but you can't bet on that clicking. You do need another weapon out there. Uh, luckily, obviously, you have arguably the best tight end in football in uh, George Kittle out there. So, I mean, so you have another weapon, but you need one more person. And we saw the difference in this passing offense and in Debo Samuel in particular when you had Emmanuel Sanders on the field, and it was not a coincidence. I think they could bring Emmanuel back. I'm not sure this free agent market for receivers is going to be that big, but there's a name that I love if they stay at 31, that's Jordan Jefferson. If he's there, I think he he helped himself enough at the combine to probably move up from that. But I think he could be a true number one in the NFL, and I think he would be phenomenal. You're moving Debo Samuel all over the place. Kittle plays so many different roles. Juszczyk plays so many different roles. But you have a real number one guy that can play. He can move around the slot inside, outside. Going into the combine, everybody thought he was going to be a slot because they thought he was going to run closer to 4-6. He runs like 4-4-3. I think he helped himself a ton, but I would love to see him end up there. Yeah, I think that I think th- this team is not in a bad place. They don't have a, a lot great of things to fix. We're in a great place. Minus so the I Super Bowl hangover or whatever, Jonathan, but they're in a great place. Yeah, they're they're in a really really good spot, and I think what Trevor has them doing makes a ton of sense. I, I could see them doing that, moving out of that, moving out of that spot, and acquiring some picks, so that way they got a little bit more capital and not such a big drop off, right? Especially because at that position, unless there's somebody that they really really love, I think they can get some good value on some of the wide receivers later on. So it'll be interesting to pay attention to what they do in this upcoming draft, but not a lot of needs for that team. Now, on the Seahawks side of things, there are needs, right? They move on to the second place team. They got $44.7 million, 49 guys under contract. Offensively, obviously, if they bring back and their their running backs are healthy, the offense isn't exactly where you're going to look at, but that defense needs a lot of help. And and they, they brought in a guy in Jadavian Clowney who wants to get paid. And I, I don't know that that's going to happen in Seattle and he's one of the big key free agents we have listed here. Jamie, who of the – you got a lot of guys here, what, eight, nine guys listed as key free agents. 
Who of these guys do you think it's realistic that they bring back? Well, I mean, you gave up draft capital for Jadavion Clowney. So, yeah. I mean, it's it not a lot. I mean, again, it's not like this. It wasn't like the Houston deals. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's you know, with a Tunsil deal or something like that. But it's still, you made this trade not to have him for one season. So, I'm very curious to see uh, if they're able to bring him back. Some of the other guys, you know, on the interior defensive line, you know, Quentin Jefferson, Jaron Reed. Al Woods, Michael Kendricks is an interesting one at linebacker. I mean, I know they've, I mean, they've got some pieces there, but I mean, he's a really good fill in, especially when they've had guys like KJ Wright miss time. Uh, just having that extra depth there. Uh, a couple of guys on their line this year, which again, that's going to be an issue they're going to have to address again. Not that these guys were phenomenal, but, uh, George Fan, Jermaine Effetti, Mikey Potty, like those again, those are three guys that, that played a lot of snaps for you this year that you're going to have to figure out what you're doing there. And then Ziggy Ansa, who hasn't really been the same the last couple of years, some injuries, some other stuff, but, uh, they're going to have to figure out the same issues they've been having to figure out for a while now. Offensive line, and particularly their secondary. I mean, I know they have a, we haven't talked about any guys in the secondary leaving, but that secondary was bad again. Uh, it's been bad for a while, uh, and they need more than just Aaron Quadari Diggs, uh, who was good for them when he came over from the Lions, but they need some other pieces there if they really want to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, look, they signed Greg Olson. Uh, Dixon they could cut, and they could get to almost $48, $49 million on the cap. I think they do bring back Clowney. I don't think the market's going to be absolutely crazy for him. Somebody's going to overpay, but somebody's finally going to go look at the production and go, Khalil Mack should have been the first pick of that draft, not Clowney. He hasn't been anywhere near Khalil Mack. Uh, I think they have to bring back both tackles. They still have their tag they could put on something. I think Gross Matos is the perfect fit for them late in the draft. In the first round, they're going to need another pass rusher with Ziggy Ansah leaving, and they haven't had any pass rushing. To Jamie's point, they don't really. They need a lot of. They need secondary help as well. I think Kendricks is probably back cheap, and that's if he doesn't go to jail. The fact that he, I don't think he should be playing football uh, when he got cut from Philly with yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I think they probably snag another one of these receivers in the draft, and they they know that they got to help uh, the the little man Russell Wilson. I think they probably go interior offensive line in the draft, and it wouldn't surprise me if they went with a running back somewhere along the line. Uh, they got really thin to the point where they they brought back beast mode guys. I mean, Penny's not going to be ready coming off an yeah. ACL, and Carson had his issues. Yeah, it's the the thing with the thing with these guys, right? They have a they have a lot of holes that we're looking at with Seattle. But as long as Russell Wilson's there, we know that they're they have the ability to compete in this division. The big thing for them is they haven't drafted well, guys. This is one of those this is one of those teams that kind of has been able to escape the we've drafted not so well conversation because they have Russell Wilson. But listen, they're you look at their past couple of drafts, especially their first couple of rounds, and you're going. It's not great. It's not great. And they need, they need to be able to, to rebound and have a really good draft this year because they're not going to be able to just fix everything in free agency, Jamie. No. And look, this is a team that is, it's been kept afloat by good coaching, great quarterback play, uh, and really a, an unbelievably strong running game when healthy. And I'm interested to see if they decide if they're going to go with maybe a younger guy or do they go with a, maybe a, a veteran, that's youngish, but like not ready to be a full-time starter. Maybe a DeAndre Washington type of a player. Uh, add that him to the backfield. Somebody that you know, if worst case scenario, when guys go down, you can give him 18 to 20 carries in a game. But ideally, he's more of a, not necessarily a classic change of pace back, but more of a spell back for your guys. Because look, Carson has injury history and fumbling history. Rashad Penny's hurt right now and might miss time to start the year. Your entire offense is predicated on a, an elite running game, play action, and Russell Wilson making some magic happen as he's moving around. 
that is how you have success if you're the Seahawks. You need to continue to play to that strength because that is your one major advantage over the rest of the league. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I mean, in that whoever that back is, whether it's a young guy or a veteran, has to be able to catch the ball. Penny was okay at it. Carson's okay at it. I think they would love to add somebody that's got better hands that Russell Wilson could lean on a little bit more. But to me, you know, your defense, your defense is not going to be fixed by this free agency in your draft. You can make it a little bit better, but they coach it up pretty well, regardless of who is in there. You still, you still got KJ Wright. You still got Bobby Wagner. You get Kendricks back. Uh, you need to add the pass rushers, that kind of stuff. But I mean, they add a couple pieces and another receiver and those guys progress. Your whole, you're still building this entire thing around Russell Wilson and they're still going to be pretty damn good. If he's under center, regardless of the rest of those pieces, Chris Carson was a dude that developed into a pretty good player. And there's no way Penny is going to be ready, even if he comes back. We talk about this all the time. Your first year back on ACL, he was a non-factor all year minus like three weeks, and then he got hurt. So to me, I think they add a couple pieces there, whether it's a veteran running back that can catch it like Washington. I love that idea, Jamie. And then maybe draft one late. This is a pretty deep draft all the way around. But I think they can get another developmental player that they like that fits what they do. They're going to build everything around Russell Wilson. Yeah, look at another guy they could be interested in if they're looking for just a pure receiving back, probably on a discount because he missed a lot of time last year, is Chris Thompson. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a guy I like that, that one too. I love that fit. He's been proven to be a very, very reliable fit. pass catcher that you can lead on heavily. You can give him some carries if he needs it. So depending on how, again, depending on how they want to formulate this, as you can see uh, with these guys, like they're not going to cost you that much money. No. You need to have this offense. And again, th- having him as a receiving threat will be extremely important now. Because now you have all of these interesting things that you can do with Greg Olson there. Uh is going to be back, most likely, just in healthy. So you have some more pieces in the middle of the field now that's going to help them. Another year for DK Metcalf. Uh, but, yeah, it's all comes down to them being able to run the football effectively. That is a, what their 100%. entire offense is predicated on because it allows Russell Wilson to do the things that we always talk about. Go, wow, that was the MVP. Well, we talked about that before all these running backs went down for a reason. Because when he has to do all this other stuff on his own – you're asking too much. Guys, they're one they're one inch away from being the one seed in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, literally one inch. So this is not a team that, although we talk about defensively, they, they don't need to be Legion of Boom defense anymore with Russell Wilson playing where he is and now they're they're playing with that offense. They need to be they need to be average. That defense needs they cannot be that bad. But if they're average and Russell Wilson has a healthy set of weapons, that team can beat anybody. That, that's, they, they're not intimidated to go play anybody. And they showed that this year as they almost went into Green Bay with nobody and beat that team. I mean, that's, that's where they are. It's Russell Wilson. He's special. We talk about him. He's in that category where it just doesn't matter any day, any time, no matter who they're playing, you always have a chance when he's under center. And that's, that's just where it is. Now, the all, the next team we're going to talk about the LA Rams. We have we have joked about this team for a while because this this cap situation I don't envy, right? So they they freed up some cap space. They have 19 million dollars, 54 guys under contract, but they have quite a few guys here listed under key free agents. And my favorite part of this document that Jamie put together is clear up space None, because good luck trying their girly Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, all contracts that look now very bad, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, it's – when I say none, because we're not going to talk – I mean, you can always free up a million dollars, two million dollars, a million and a half somewhere. Like, you can do that on any single team 
in, in the NFL. But there really is nobody they can move. And I think the biggest key is this as well is we've, we've talked about and others have talked about more a Todd Gurley trade. And if you understand why it probably is not going to happen for them, uh, if they trade him pre-June 1, they would take a $12.6 million dead cap hit to only say $4.65 million. If you were out of contention and you you were not a team that you thought could do anything and you just were going to basically punt the season, maybe you maybe then you would consider moving him and say, okay, we'll take the dead cap hit in the short term and a little bit of the other pieces of dead small dead cap hits that go over the next couple of years just get out of this. The Rams aren't going to do that because their window is immediately. Yeah. Like that, you've made, everything you have done, your entire franchise setup is you have to win something now because you don't have any picks. You just traded for Jalen Ramsey. You're going to have to sign him. Like This is what you have to do. Uh, but key free agents, Corey Littleton, who Jake's talked around the show a lot, will be a great piece on almost any team in the NFL. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, the tackle. Dante Fowler Jr., uh, rusher, pass rusher. Michael Brockers, Austin Blythe, Greg Zerline. Uh, you know, Markai Christian, who played some time at safety for them this year. Like, those are some significant pieces that I don't know if maybe they bring one of those guys back. Like, I, I just don't see how that, that, that defense is going to start and special teams units are going to start to get a little bit thin now. And you start to look around and you go, I, I don't see a path for this team getting better unless they just, unless they hit on some of these mid round picks and just turn into superstars instantly, which again, I think is an extremely low probability. They have $19 million, which is barely enough to sign your draft class. They might get Dante Fowler Jr. back, and they could possibly franchise somebody, but they need Whitworth back. They need Blythe back on a bad offensive line. I think Whitworth may just retire on them, and they don't have a first-round pick. Like I thought they weren't as screwed as maybe Jacksonville when I first looked at this, but this might be worse. Now, they got some really good players, but this Jalen Ramsey thing with what you gave up, I don't know how they're going to sign him, and nobody is trading for Todd Gurley. Period. End of story. Like, nobody's no. taken that contract on for that player. I mean, they for them to be decent, Brandon Cooks has to stay healthy and be really good. Todd Gurley has to be healthy and be really good and be out there. Uh, we know the quarterback situation. I mean, Jared Goff's going to have to play much better than he has in the past. They're going to lose Cooper Cup in another year because of the Jalen Ramsey thing. Uh, they got to get really creative to free up any space, as Jamie said. None is true, unless you're going to trade Aaron Donald, and you might have to do that to free up enough money for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I don't, and they have no first round picks for three years. I, I don't, I don't know where they go. I don't know how they get this done. They're going to lose a bunch of players. And I don't know how they're going to replace, how do you replace your left tackle, your center, when your quarterback's not the smartest guy in the world and doesn't do a lot of stuff at the line of scrimmage because your coach is still talking to him in his ear. They're mud, that muddle huddle. Like, how do you lose your center in that case? I, I don't know how you do that. Brandon, Brandon yeah. Cooks is a what? $14 million guy, something like that. But he, he's got concussion issues. Well, you don't know how that's going to come back. And Todd Gurley's maybe playing 50. He's like workload NBA. Like, I, I don't, at that number, that's insane. Todd Gurley needs to be 30 touches a game at that number. And you got him at that number for three more years. They're, they're beyond screwed. Those guys have to play phenomenal, and they got to stay as healthy as any team in the league. Yeah, and another name, again, it, it might not be as apparent right away, but if they lose him, and if they don't want to use their franchise tag elsewhere, they could use it. It's not that high, but uh, kickers are people too, right, Jake? And, and Greg, Greg Zerline, damn sure is. And the ability to be in points range when you get to the 40 is a is an unbelievable asset to teams. And Greg Zerline, I know he missed a little bit of time with injury this year, but his consistency, his big leg, his accuracy – I mean, if, if you've been playing in fantasy, you know he's been like the on, on a per game basis, he's been the number one fantasy kicker for like two or three years now. Yeah. Uh, but in real life, he's top three. Uh, I don't know where you want to put him with Justin Tucker and whatnot, but 
He is an elite piece. And again, losing him and going even to, even if they just say they sign a, a league average kicker, they're not trying to do the thing where you're scraping the bottom of the barrel midseason. That's a loss for you. That's a significant yeah. piece that you're losing if they don't re-sign him. So again, this is a team that had a lot of flaws last year. They're going to have more flaws this year. They're going to need Jared Goff to be a different different human being and a different quarterback than he's been at any point in his career in order for them to be a Super Bowl team. I will let you guys in on a little conversation that I had. I'm not going to tell you who was there, but there were, I was sitting at a table in the corner of prime 47. So Jake knows exactly what I'm talking yep. about. Okay. There were 12 of us sitting at the table. Every person with the exception of me was either a head coach, assistant coach, or GM in the NFL. Right. And of course, I float out the topic about the Rams because I'm just trying to stir the pot. And I brought up the fact that the only thing that makes sense for them is what the three of us have talked about in Aaron Donald getting traded. And it spouted off a conversation about, oh my God, we need to get on the phone because this is a potential opportunity for us to get a game changer and take advantage of the fact that this team is in a bad spot. They, they almost, like, I borderline, they need to do this. I understand that they, it's Aaron Donald, but you just traded away all that draft capital for Jalen Ramsey. How, you can't, how are you going to do this? You can't. It's, it's nearly impossible. And, and this team, how are you going to not have any draft picks in the next couple of years? They need to, they need to do something. And as to, to Jake's point and to you guys' point, this team, their identity, not the defense. Okay, their identity was this offense and protect and you saw what this offense looked like when Jared Goff had good protection, when that offensive line had good chemistry. The second that went away, Jared Goff was exposed. Sean McVay was exposed. This offense did not look the same. And the reality is, you guys, we all know having your offensive line stay healthy for a whole year nearly never happens. It's almost they impossible did it for two years at this straight. point in yeah, two years straight. It, it, it is statistically, it is nearly impossible. So I thought that that was very interesting because I, that conversation went on for about an hour and it was what, what would it take to make that happen? Right. And I just sat there like a fly on the wall, listening to all the different discussions happening back and forth, but it became more so like, this is something like where everybody was blown away. Like, Oh my God, the Khalil Mack thing. Like it's, it, it's, this is a trade that needs to happen. Right. And that's more so than what happened back with Khalil Mack in Oakland. So I think, I think it would be really interesting to pay attention to if we forecasted something a month and a half before it actually happened, because this was something we, we looked at and went, yeah, we know it's Aaron Donald, but this really the only, it's really the only option you have to trade to get something back for it. Cause nobody's trading for Brandon Cooks. Or Todd Gurley or Jared Goff. I mean, the big, big thing they here can. is you've got to look at teams with multiple first-round picks and cap space. So the first two names that come to mind are the Miami Dolphins and the Raiders, who both would love to have Aaron Donald and can give up maybe a player, maybe cash, plus first-round picks uh, to get that player and make it work. And yeah, the Rams sure. could then go, okay, if we could get inside the top 15, then we got a chance, or top 20, we could get a chance – to get one of these top five left tackles, right tackles guys uh, and make our team that much better with our quarterback who's now staying. Our receiver, we need to play well, and our record, and our, our running back, we need to play well. Our quarterback's the highest paid player in the league at this point. Uh, so none of those guys are going anywhere. So you better do something to protect them. And I think the only way to do that, why I brought it up before, was trade Aaron Donald. As crazy as that sounds, you almost have to. He's over $20 million 
you could trade him, get a left tackle or right tackle, and use that money to sign Jalen Ramsey, which you now have to do because you gave up so much capital to do it. It's it's a it is one of the more fascinating things that we brought up as we've discussed on this show that to me becomes a no brainer if you're the LA Rams. And I know you're going to take flack and I know people are going to be upset, but there's certain decisions that you have to make because it's the best thing for your team long term. And especially after watching, if you watch the combine and you saw how well some of these offensive linemen tested. And you know you have an opportunity to jump in with the Raiders and take the 12th overall pick and get one of these guys. All of a sudden, that becomes a really interesting proposition for you. And you go, yeah, okay, we can take advantage of the fact that probably the biggest need for Oakland or for Las Vegas, one of their biggest needs is a pass rusher. So you go, you go get, you go make a trade, facilitate a trade for them. Listen, all of a sudden, John Gruden's going, yeah, I don't have to worry about the Khalil Mack thing anymore because I traded for freaking Aaron Donald. Okay, like that's it it makes a lot of sense. So we're definitely going to keep paying attention to it. It's March 2nd. We got two weeks until the tampering period begins. But you already know the tampering began all week long in Indianapolis. So it was all that all that conversation, all of that was it's there's some stuff that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be really, really interesting. All right. The last team in the division, the Arizona Cardinals. $39.7 million of cap space, 52 players under contract. Kenyon Drake already asking for money. Uh, Number one running back on this list, uh, key free agent, Rodney Gunter, A.Q. Shipley, Joe Walker. Four guys as key free agents, but man, oh man, how what a difference a year makes. Last year, leaving the combine, the Arizona Cardinals were the talk of the town, right? Just it was, you couldn't, Kyler Murray, all that shenanigans, that all came out post NFL combine. Now this year, they're still in the top 10 pick. They have, they're sitting in a really, really good spot from a draft perspective. So I think this is one of the teams I'm going to pay the closest attention to in free agency because it's going to dictate a lot of what they do in this upcoming draft because they've got one of the worst defenses in football. They need to shore up the offensive line. They signed DJ Humphreys on the left side, but now maybe they go get and address something on the right side. And obviously, we've talked about it a million times. This team needs more weapons, Jamie. So do you think that starts with them signing Kenyon Drake? I, I do. Well, they're a little bit of posturing right now. I think Kenyon Drake said he wanted like $10 million, 10 million, 10 million yep. a year was the latest thing. I think they'll get something done. Um, I, I don't think it'll be at that number, but I think it'll be close. Um, again, it depends on how you structure. Again, all these deals can be structured in interesting ways, depending on how much how much bonus money you want to throw up front and all that other stuff. But uh, that fit just seems to make a ton of sense. He's had the most success of his career in that brief time in this offense. The Cardinals had a lot of success with him. Uh, I think they'll find a way to get that deal done there. Um, so the interesting two things to me is because when we talk about the Cardinals, trade gets talked about a lot. There are two guys in particular, two big names, Patrick Peterson and David Johnson. Yep. Uh, if they were to move Peterson, uh, they would, it, it would just from a pure cap perspective, because obviously he would, he right now, I believe he's one more year left on this deal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 12.6 million they would save on the cap with a small $635,000 cap penalty. David Johnson, it's a little bit more iffy. It would be $8.2 million in savings, uh, 6 million in dead cap. Uh, if they cut David Johnson, which Steve Kine said they're not going to do, they'd actually have a cap penalty greater than his current cap hit. So they're not doing that. Uh, so if you're wondering why he said that's not an option, that's why, because they were literally better than having him sit on the bench and never playing him than by cutting him. <laughs> so, I mean, so they're not going to do that. Uh, so. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the what they do because uh, they have a lot of holes, but they they were they showed some signs of improvement. I want to see Drake in this offense for a full season, but 
that defense has to be improved, uh, especially if there is another level to this offense. If Kingsbury does want to get them more plays, which I don't know if they do, because they didn't really run as many plays as they were pretending they were going to. Like yeah. they didn't even come close. They That's because even, like, you can't like, three in the NFL. It's impossible, especially when your defense sucks. You cannot do it. Yeah, like so. Uh, but if they're if they, yeah, yeah. If they ever want to do that, their defense is going to be a lot better. Yeah. Guys, this is pretty simple to me. I mean, it's very similar to Seattle. You're building this entire thing around Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and this offense. You're gonna you're gonna sign Drake, period, because you have Chase Edmonds cheap for a while. There's gonna be somebody that gives you something for David Johnson, whether that's a fifth or sixth round pick, maybe a fourth if somebody's getting a little wild. You're still gonna have to eat some of that contract. That's fine. You're not trading Patrick Peterson. Here's why. You're going to trade Patrick Peterson and go try to spend that money on Byron Jones? Which one's better if they're motivated? Patrick Peterson's still better than Byron Jones. He's still one of the best in the league. He's still in his prime. He's still yeah. fine. To me, you extend Patrick Peterson and restructure that deal. Right now, it looks really good. $12.6 million, you only get a $600,000 hit. But you still have one of the best shutdown corners in the league. You drafted a young one from Washington last, last year that you like and Byron Murphy. Uh, Buda Baker, really good player in safety. He's been a, a few pro, pro Bowls. Like, you're okay in the secondary. To me, you restructure and you extend Patrick Peterson. You make him a Cardinal for life, what Michael, Michael Bilwell said he wants to do. And now you've still got a little bit of money left in free agency. I think you go out and you try to get Brandon Sheriff, uh, one of these guys. I don't think you try to go on defense in free agency, as crazy as that sounds. You could draft these guys. Now you go to, like, all right, now, number eight. Now we still need weapons. CD Lamb's being talked about a ton. Because he played with Kyler Murray, he looked great at the combine. I love that. But this draft, your receiver is deep. You drafted a few last year that were hurt. You're paying Larry $11 million, $10 million, whatever it is, to come back. I don't know that you can do that. I think you maybe address defense with a first and second round pick. If you bring back Patrick, trade David Johnson, get what you can, and you can sure up some of this stuff through free agency. They're, what, $46 million if they cut Sweezy and Williams? They could get creative in some other ways, but if you could free up something there, if you move some money around with Patrick Peterson and extend him. Yeah, and this is the last year of Patrick Peterson's deal, right? He's a UFA in 2021. I think the interesting thing that you bring up, Jake, is I'm in agreement. I think you, if you shore up, if you get one of these guys in, if for to shore up that offensive line in free agency, I understand. Listen. Steve Keim and, and Cliff Kingsbury were joking about it at the Combine. on They, they were on the Arizona Cardinals official pro, podcast with Mike Jarecki and, and Craig Grelew, and they're joking about the fact that Kyler Murray is openly texting them nonstop about CeeDee Lamb, right? And I, and I get that. I understand the connection, the excitement, all of that. Now, can you pacify how, much, how upset is he going to be if he doesn't get CeeDee Lamb? I don't know. But the best decision for this team is to not take a wide receiver inside the top 10. It's this, this wide receiver class is so deep and they have so many holes. This is the, you talk about the worst statistical team defense in the NFL last year. They need, there are, there are top elite talent that are going to be available at that A spot from a defensive perspective. And we talk about it all the time. Rookie wide receivers take a while to come along. They need somebody who's going to make that defense better right now, day one, not two so years. So you got maybe Derek Brown, Jamie. Talk about some of the guys they may take there. I think they're in prime position, depending on how all this crazy quarterback stuff shakes out, to trade that eighth pick and move back to 15, 16, and maybe you still get Jerry Judy or somebody like that. Yeah, if you're going to go with the receiver, I, I trade back there. I know right now Trevor Sikama has him taking CeeDee Land there, but I, I to me, 
you uh, you have to know how much faith do you have in the guys you took last year because you drafted a handful of receivers last year it really did nothing for you at the yeah. moment but do you believe in them more but to me like you're, you're looking at the spot where there are seven picks in front of you three of them are going to be quarterbacks so I mean like I'm you know I don't think Simmons or Okuda or whatever are going to fall at that point so you're not going to get like the elite of the elite but like Derek Brown uh, I think it's very interesting. Kinlaw is interesting. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are like, you know, if you, I would take one of those players or, I mean, even Chase on, I know that may be a little high for some, but I really like his game. I don't yeah. know. You need a pass rusher yeah. on the other side, Chandler Jones. I like that too. I mean, I- yeah, like that's interesting to me. And if you want to take a receiver, yes, you might not get CD lamb, but I, I mean, it, I, what is, do you see a major, and, and again, these guys all have their boards and they all have their talent evaluators is do you see a major difference between, in terms of overall value, they're different receivers, but overall value between the CeeDee Lambs, the Jerry Judys, the Henry Ruggs, the other, do you see a major difference? Because you can drop 10 picks and get still one of those three guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see a huge difference in Ruggs and Judy, or excuse me, uh, CeeDee Lamb and Judy. To me, I mean, you're getting into, when you get into three, you're talking about Ruggs, who's still really good in a blazer, I don't know that he's as – I'd almost put Justin or Jordan Jefferson up there when you're talking about well-rounded guys. Because now you're starting to LaVisca Chenault, who's having surgery, who had ran a bad time with the combine, was trying to go through a core muscle injury. And he's going to be fine. He's more of a run-after-the-catch guy. He's built more like a running back. Uh, Chase Claypool, I think, is a workout warrior. He ran down on kickoffs for four years at Notre Dame. Superstar receivers don't run down on kickoffs, period. I don't care how big and fast you are. I don't, I don't see that as being like – a thing. Somebody's going to overdraft him for sure, but there's a ton of guys in this draft, but I think there's a big difference between Judy and CeeDee Lamb. I think, or to your point, Jamie, it takes a while for a rookie receiver. Those guys, I think, are ready much more rounded, better route runners to step right in, especially when talking about a very college offense. So I think it's probably a little bit easier to step in as a young guy and have some success, but you got Andy, Andy Isabella who came on late. Uh, you drafted a couple other young guys last year that were hurt, they kind of have a no-name receiver room. I'd love to see them get one of those guys. But I think if you're, you're at eight, if you don't want to take a Derrick Brown or somebody like that, well, you need interior defensive line help, I think you're in prime position to move back to like 15 and pick up either another late first or early second round pick. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're dead set on taking a wide receiver with your first pick, I think you move here's back. A guy, here's a guy because... that the Cardinals are not being talked about with this guy at all. Isaiah Simmons. That's exactly what I was going to bring well, up. If he falls, I'd take him if he, if he falls to eight, guys, what was the number one thing this team had trouble with last year on a fantasy perspective? Covering a tight end, right? Did we not talk about lock and load every week, whoever was playing? It's like, guys, they need – this is Mike Jarecki and I looked at this and we went, yeah, they need a linebacker. And then we watched him run his 40 and we were like, oh, my God, right? You're just salivating watching this kid play football on tape. And then he goes out there and runs a 4-3-9 and you're like, Dear God, this yeah. Here, here's my point. Here's my and, point to that page. I, I love Isaiah Simmons, but he's such a tweener. I, I don't know where he's playing. You almost have to have a Todd Bowles defense, which is not what they're running now. I'd much rather see him take Derek Brown from Auburn and the linebacker from Mississippi State that also had a phenomenal combine in the second round. I think you're a much better team with two players than you are taking Isaiah Simmons at eight. It's. It, I think if he's there, it's going to be an interesting conversation. He he definitely was one of the buzzier guys. I love guys him. But he's two hundred thirty eight pounds, and you play the Seahawks twice. Yeah. You're, he's basically yeah. a big yeah. box safety. He's, he's Cam Chancellor, but he didn't hit like that. Yeah, I mean Jordan Hicks it's, is a freak and was awesome for them. That was a phenomenal signing last year. The dude played great. 
But where does he play? I mean, he gets compared to Tyron Matthew, who's a tiny human being compared to Isaiah Simmons. But he's off the line. He's dropping. He's rushing. He's a li- He's still a tweener, and you got to be really, really creative on how you use him. I didn't see that from that defense last year. I'd love to see them have more players move back or take a Derrick Brown in the linebacker from maybe from Mississippi State, the kid from uh, Bond or Braun from uh, Wisconsin that may be in their second round. I think you add more players than you take that, but it makes it really interesting to say, okay, if he does drop to eight, and we had him as our third best player in this draft, you probably have to take him. I just don't know. I don't know how big the impact is from one guy as, as Isaiah Simmons. As much hype as he had. One of the guys, one, yeah, one of the guys who's a top three guy on their board is probably going to be there, guys, because there's going to be three. There more than likely, potentially, could be three quarterbacks that go ahead of them, and that's going to push these top tier defensive guys. And and that's why I said they might not even they they might not address the 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 line in in free agency. And if they don't, if Tristan Wirfs is there, they draft. Hey, that's him, a great. That's how do you that? talk about them at eight? When they signed D.J. Humphreys, who's like 24 and been in the league for four years, how do you not talk about one of these tackles? One of those four is going to be Beckton, Wills, uh, Wirfs, kid from Georgia, Andrew Thomas. Like, there's, there's somebody's going to be there. I don't know. How, if, you don't, if you don't address it in free agency, how the hell do you not take one of them as bookend young tackles with your franchise quarterback? To me, that's a that's- million times more important than any damn receiver they could take. Yeah, that's that's the way I see them going. If they're if they don't sign one of these big offensive linemen in the in in this free agency period, I think eight is a lock on on that side because you have a five ten quarterback who runs around. You need you know you need to protect him. You you get DJ Humphries, you lock him up. Then one of the four guys we just mentioned, they oh they will be there at eight. One of those guys will be there, and you're gonna get a guy who instantaneously on your team. Is 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 helping you, making you better, making that line nastier, and, and they need that. They need that. And if you're if you're if your long term future, yeah, and then we know it is is Kyler Murray. Protecting Kyler Murray should be your number one goal. And and you can get wide receivers in later rounds. Let me rounds. ask you guys this: this is, Who's the worst team in this division? I would argue it might be the Rams, but Rams I, or Cardinals, I, I right? But you got to put the Cardinals probably in fourth right now. Okay. So I take back everything yeah. I said. You extend Patrick Peterson for sure. You free up some money. You go sign Brandon Sheriff and you draft one of these tackles at eight and you bring back AQ Shipley for a year, maybe take a, a center in the third or fourth round that maybe could take his place. And you have one of the best offensive lines of football. Justin Pugh played all over the place for them last year and still can do that, but he's not a tackle. He's a guard. So if you went DJ Humphreys, Pugh, AQ Shipley, Sheriff, and Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills, Dude, oh my God! Who gives a damn who's playing receiver? Like to me, that's how you get back to in a few years not being at the bottom of this division when you have your quarterback. You can make stuff happen with the receivers and the playmakers you have, and you ran the ball pretty successfully late in the year and changed kind of what you do. I don't know how you're going to change this defense overnight, but to me, you can have one of the best offensive lines in football, which means you are going to win a lot of freaking games. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The one thing I would mention to to your point about the center position is Mike Jarecki, who obviously works for the Arizona Cardinals. I listened to their podcast coming out of the combine, and he said from what he's hearing from the Cardinals, Mason Cole is going to be the center come the beginning of the season. I like that. You're a smart kid, tough kid. Like That would be okay, too. I think you have to bring AQ back, though. I don't think it's going to cost you a lot of money to have a veteran guy that could be back. 
that's what he kind of had projected out was that they bring back AQ for depth, for for leadership, for bringing him in at a, at a good price, but that they like the development of Mason Cole and they have him. And then all of a sudden you put Worfs on the other side and DJ on the other side. I mean, all of a sudden this line looks really, really good. And you're protecting your quarterback and you're going up against, oh, by the way, that San Francisco 49ers front seven and the LA Rams front seven if they keep Aaron Donald. This this makes you competitive. And I, I think that's, if I'm Steve Kime, that's what I'm doing. But I know that there are extenuating certain you got you got CeeDee Lamb and and Kyler Murray, and I know the fan base is really excited about that. But guys, it's this is a very for Cardinal fans, because I know we have a lot of Arizona Cardinal fans. We have a lot a big audience in Arizona. I get it. I understand that it's exciting. The proposition of having CeeDee Lamb is very exciting. But let me tell you something. Let me caution you as a Bears fan who watched the Bears take Kevin White, who could never stay healthy. Like it's, it's a wide receiver takes, and I'm not saying CeeDee Lamb's going to be Kevin White or whatever, but it takes a while for wide receivers. And even though I think these guys, like Jake said, are ahead of the curve, protecting your quarterback is more important. And getting a guy like the guys we mentioned is greater sign any of those wide receivers. By the way, DJ Humphrey's played right tackle in his career, and all of these guys have played both. So while DJ's yes. moved to left, if you're comfortable with that, and you probably are because you just gave him a lot of money, any one of these guys is a plug-and-play starter at right tackle. You can't put enough emphasis on that. By the way, let's go back to the 2018 draft. Who had the best first-round pick? Probably the least amount talked about of anybody was the Indianapolis Colts, who have the best offensive lineman in football. We yep. talked about it at the time, right? Maybe the best value pick and the best pick, but it wasn't sexy. Remember we had this whole conversation on the show? It's not sexy, 100%. but that's how you win. If you can sign one of these big free agent guys on the interior and you had Justin Pugh last year who played really well at guard, moved around, like I said, and you like Mason Cole, if you could put one of these star right tackles at there at, at eight, man, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how you can make your team any better than by doing that. I, listen, the battles in the trenches, it's, it's, not, it's not to be overstated. I loved I, – I, I had a chance to talk to Chris Ballard for a while, and he said, I obsess about the offensive line. And the defensive line. I obsess over it. And I go, I get it. More people should obsess over it because it's nice. You got your, your sexy new toy, your quarterback. Guess what happens if your, uh, your sexy new toy isn't protected? Not, a, not, not going to be very long. He's not going to last very long. Right. And that's, that's where I look at this and I go, Cardinal fans, I get it. You need wide receivers, but there's a lot of them and you can get one later on. You take your, you take a guy early on that starts and shores up that right side. Man, I, I I really like where they are. I think they're at eight. They're in a really good spot because they're going to get a really damn good football player, no matter what they decide to do. And it, it's a good time. You should be really excited for Cardinal fans because now you you got your guy. You got Kyler Murray. Now let's see what you do. And you need to shore up that defense and you need to protect him. So we'll see what they end up doing here, guys. Any parting thoughts? On today's podcast, obviously, just finish up the NFC West. And if you haven't listened to our other shows, you guys can go back and and listen to some of them. We're going to get through the rest of the divisions before the beginning of free agency. Obviously, tampering March 16th, beginning of of free agency March 18th. Jake, any thoughts? I got a couple. I'm going to get outside the box for you guys on this one. If you think the coronavirus is caused by Corona beer, you're a freaking moron and go get your damn brain checked. Okay. (laughs) Apparently, Corona has lost millions because of how dumb people are. The second one is, if you think that Garth Brooks was supporting Bernie Sanders oh for president by putting on a Barry Sanders jersey, don't go get your – I don't even know what to tell you. 
but you have freaking issues. And if you're too damn young to know who Barry Sanders is, go Google him. He's the second greatest running back, maybe the greatest running back of all time. It ain't freaking Bernie Sanders. That, that's my rant for the day. Like, it, holy mother of God, the stupidity of both of those two things. Um, Top that one, Jamie. I don't even know where I... Yeah, Jamie, do you have any parting thoughts uh, on that? Because, listen, I... Barry Sanders played football significantly. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame when I was uh, an eighth grader. If okay? you're wearing a like, Sanders he, jersey in Detroit and it's a Lions jersey, who in the hell could make the comparison that that's Bernie Sanders? Well, I, Facebook, because that's... Be Facebook, oof. because I've totally convinced our country is absolutely full of... Well, the whole world is full of morons. But, guys, it's Barry freaking Sanders. Like... Oi, I didn't even see that Did until you see the now. Lions response? They, they put out a little graphic of it's like uh Bernie's our, our Barry Sanders is our guy for 2020. And then Barry Sanders tweeted at Garth Brooks and Garth was like, I ride with you and I run with you anytime or something like that. Like, come on, man. And go back to Corona. Yeah. How the hell's Corona losing like half their market share yeah, because people think on, Corona is causing coronavirus? Come I, on, man. I don't even there's no follow-up to that because people, if you think that, please stop listening to our podcast. Like, I, I mean that. Like, my God, what the hell? Like, <laughs> how is that even a thing? I, I There are a lot of thoughts on that. Most of them I'm going to keep. Corona, uh, I'm in. I, I'm still drinking you. Uh, we, we, you. I'd be happy if you to sponsor a segment and, and send us yeah, to go along Corona. with, with Paige's Bud Light Seltzer. We'll throw some Corona in there, too. Yeah. Please feel free to sponsor us. We are available and willing to accept all beer and will happily drink it and not get the coronavirus. You absolute idiots. Oh, my God. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Hey, Jake Berry and on Twitter, please. That'll be your thoughts. I can't even. <laughs> yes, we all your, your Corona and Barry Sanders thoughts. Uh, you can follow me on, at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye. You guys should check out the latest mock draft by Trigger, Trevor Sikama on the draftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.